0: this week we're going to start a new series, amen, called Alive, and for the next few weeks we're going to dig into this, what God wants us to know about us being alive, amen. And to understand this, I think one of the things that we need to really do is go back to the beginning, to just kind of set it up today. We've got some time, we're going to be uh, going over this over the next few weeks, so I'm not going to try to get in everything today, don't worry, but. Uh, going going back to the beginning uh, in Genesis to understand you know God's purpose and why we're here as I said you know there's a lot of questions um, that we have and there's nothing wrong with questions some people back away from questions you shouldn't ask that you shouldn't you know God is God and he's sovereign guess what God is okay with your questions why did you do this, God? Well, why did you make us this way? Why? He's all right with your questions. He can take it, okay? He's all right. In fact, he'd rather have us be inquisitive and ask questions to try to find out what's going on uh, than not, right? Just go through life with the blinders on, okay? He wants to reveal himself to us. So when you look back at the beginning, we realize that God created man and woman right out of the dust of the ground. We would know that, right? And... um There was a very famous book some years ago. This is not a marriage uh, sermon at all. Uh, I'll leave that to Brother Al and (laughs) Brother James and Carol. They got the marriage, small group. But there was a famous book, um, Men Are From Mars and Women Are From Venus, I think something like that. Uh, And I understand what that book was trying to say. It's a a very good book. I mean, I remember reading it. Uh, But I want to set the record straight. You know, God created us out of dust. He created um, man, and really we say Adam, but that word Adam comes from a Hebrew word, Adamic, which means human being, okay? So he created human beings out of the dust of the earth, and he created man and woman out of the same dust. I don't mean uh, dust over here and a dust over here out of the same, I mean out of the same dust. One handful of dust he made man and woman. So we're not from Mars and Venus. We're from the same dust. We are together, okay, from the same exact dust. And he breathed into us the breath of life. And then we remember that God put a tree in the garden. Remember that? Remember reading about that? A tree? The tree of what? The knowledge, good and evil. Anybody know that? In Genesis chapter 2, God took the man and he put him in the garden of Eden to tend it. And to keep it, that word tend there comes from a word that means to serve, to actually serve. So he's doing uh, he's doing the, the ground justice by tending it. In Genesis chapter 2, around verse 16, you can put that up there, Tegan. It says that um, the Lord God commanded the man. He commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, come on, you shall not eat why for in the day that you eat it of it you shall surely what die die you shall surely die here's a good place to ask a question God what do you mean you shall surely die well reading the text and doing research and studying and praying and receiving revelation from God we would know that honestly that really is talking about both spiritually and physically I maybe mean, Pastor Mike what do you mean I, I don't think Adam It was still and Eve were still there well we know spiritually there was a separation from God when disobedience happened but what we also have to realize is that mankind was made immortal and so now all of a sudden physical death is going to come though it was not at that very moment so death came into the world by separation, separation from God, and then physically separating from this three-dimensional realm, amen? Both physical and spiritual death. So then we say, well, what did God do? What was his response to this thing? Well, over in chapter three, we know that the Bible says the Lord God said, the man has become like one of us. He's talking about Father, Son, Holy Spirit, the God, Godhead, the Lord thy God is one God, the Lord thy God is the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Good place to ask a question, isn't it? Right? What does all that mean? And uh, now we see through a glass darkly. Then we shall see face to face. Stop arguing about what it means because you don't even know. Okay? All right. God is going to reveal it to us. Uh, and then he says, now lest he put out his hand and take also from the tree of life. He's already eaten from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And now if he takes from the tree of life and live forever, we don't want that. <laughs> it says, Therefore, the Lord God sent him out of the garden to till the ground which he was taken. So he drove out the man and he placed a cherubim at the east of the garden and a flaming sword turned every which way to guard the way of the tree of life. Now, one of the things that I used to think about is this tree of knowledge of good and evil. Uh, you hear this word forbidden. And so now all of a sudden I'm thinking, man, this tree is like a bad thing because it's forbidden. But if you remember, we didn't read through Genesis chapter one. God was creating things and the Lord said it was good and created this and said it was good. And he created animals and said it was good. And he created vegetation, including the tree of the knowledge of good and evil and said, It is good. So the tree was good. It wasn't that the tree was bad. You say, well, God, why would you put that tree there and not allow them to eat from that tree? God said everything he created was good until until in chapter two, God said it is not good for man to be alone. It is not good. The first time he says it's not good. Everything is good until we confront loneliness or being alone we're not meant to be alone we're meant for relationships amen we're meant for relationships and so God reacted to that by now taking that same dust that he created humans and now he split them in two and made a man and a woman connected out of the same dust but they ate they disobeyed so God must have known they were going to disobey. So what happened here? What happened here if God already knew they were going to disobey? What what did this create? God gave man an opportunity here, think about this, to repent. See, I believe that as soon as the woman and as soon as the man ate of the tree and they ate of the fruit of that tree, that it was not settled yet. It was not settled that they would be separated. It was not settled. God said, if you eat of the tree, you will surely die. But there's a moment in here when God comes looking for the man and the woman. Where are you? Now, God is omnipresent. God knew where they were. So the question is not for God to have the answer, but he's presenting an opportunity for the man and the woman. Where are you? What happened? We're here. Why did you cover yourself? Well, we realized we were naked. Who told you that you were naked? Here's an opportunity. What is the opportunity for? It's an opportunity for repentance. It's an opportunity for repentance. What would have happened? We don't know if Adam and Eve would have repented at that moment. But that's not what happened. Adam first blamed God and then he blamed the woman in one sentence he said this woman that you gave me so he separated himself from the woman he created a separation there this woman that you gave me now he made a separation between him and God so now there's separation here this woman that so instead of repenting he shifted blame So then God dealt with him, and then he's dealing with the woman, kind of going in backwards order here. He dealt with the woman. What's up, woman? What's going on? The snake. And then he dealt with the serpent. Well, the point here is that it is in our fleshly nature now to shift blame. It's not in our nature, our flesh nature to repent. It's not in our flesh nature to repent. I'm just going to tell you. It's not an easy thing for our flesh to do. But our spirit, our spirit longs for repentance. And I'm getting to something here. I know you're probably saying, what does this have to do with this title you have of being alive? But I'm getting to this place. In the Amplified, in chapter 3, Uh, God said, behold, the man has become like one of us, knowing, distinguishing between good and evil, how he might stretch out his hand and take from the tree of life and eat its fruit. Now watch this. You think God was afraid that Adam and Eve would live forever because they were going to eat from the tree of life? He made them to be immortal beings. He made them to live forever. It wasn't that God was afraid they were going to live forever. It's that he did not want them to live forever in this fallen state. That's why I'm not going to let you eat from the tree of life. That's why it can't happen. Now you know the difference in good and evil. You're in a fallen state. You're not going to eat from the tree of life now. No, I have a different plan. I'm not going to allow you to live eternity in this fallen state. That's how much your God loves you. Even though we made a choice to be separated from God, he made a choice to reconcile us to him by redeeming us. By redeeming us. Now let's get to our scripture that we want to get to. First Corinthians. If you have your Bible, turn over to First Corinthians chapter 15. First Corinthians chapter 15. This isn't all doom and gloom. You know, of course, we, we, made, we made a mistake as humans. Back in the garden. We separated ourselves from each other and from God. By not repenting. By not repenting. Disobeying and then not repenting. 1 Corinthians 15, Paul addresses this. He says, all right, let's bring it up to date. uh, Chapter 15, looking at verse 20, the Bible says, but now, but now, but now, Christ is risen from the dead and has become the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. See, God said, I have a different plan now. You're not going to eat from the, the, the tree of life. But I have a different plan. because he, Christ became the fruits of those who have fallen asleep. For since by man came death. Come on. By capital M, man, Jesus, also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam, humans all die, even so in Christ all shall be made Alive. I'm here to tell you this morning that you are alive. God has purposed for you to be alive with eternal life. Not existing, but alive. Now listen, I understand it. We all get run down with life, trials and adversities, routines, even sinful habits. Come on. Habits that we need to break. The problem is all of these distractions keep us from living the life that Christ died for us to have. Being distracted keeps us from living this abundant life that Jesus came that we would have. And this this message series alive is going to focus on the work of the Holy Spirit. To recover our spiritual passions and fill us with a new freshness, a new awakening, a new reinvigorating work of God. I don't know where you are this morning. Maybe you're a little bored with life. Maybe you just came because it's what I do on Sunday morning and, and, and life is going by and, uh, you know, things are as usual business as usual. I don't know where you are this morning, but I came to tell you that Paul said in Romans chapter 6 verse 11, we are to be dead to sin and alive to God. This life you're living doesn't depend on your circumstances. It doesn't depend on people talking about you. It doesn't depend on your boss not giving you the promotion. It doesn't depend on what kind of car you drive or what kind of house you have. It doesn't depend on what's in your closet. It doesn't depend on any of those things. It depends on the fact that Christ died on the cross for you. And you are no longer under the curse of the law. Come on. But you are now a child of Abraham. You are blessed. You are an overcomer. Come on somebody. You might not be excited about it. But I come this morning to reinvigorate you. And tell you that the Holy Spirit is here. Come on. So my Holy Spirit activate. Come on. Holy Spirit is here this morning. To activate you. To reinvigorate you. And let you know that you are alive you are alive this morning you're not dead you are alive he wants us to walk in that God wants to pour out his Holy Spirit upon us in a special and specific way even this morning in a profound and personal way that we would have a profound and personal encounter with God in supernatural proportions Folks, God has called us to move mountains. And we must realize today that we are alive to do just that. You are alive this morning to move mountains. So lift your head up. Come on, lift your head up, O ye gates. Get excited about the Holy Spirit in your life. I don't care what you've been through. I know you've lost some people. I know you've lost some things. I know some things haven't gone the way that you want them to go. I mean, I must be talking to myself this morning. I know you might not have graduated from college like the other people. I know you might not have the job that that one has. Come on, somebody. But God said, I'm here to bless you, and I am here to call you an overcomer, and I'm here." This morning, to let you know that I died on the cross that you would live abundantly. And my blessings are coming. They're coming. They're coming to overtake you. My blessings are coming to overtake you. But, folks, the issue is we have a part in all these things. So, I'm trying to fire you up this morning to let you know as long as you sit on the couch, you can hear it and say, Oh, that's a good word. All right, I hear what you're saying. Sit right there on the couch. Watching the Kardashians or whatever it is you watch. I don't know what it is. Sit right there on the couch. But God said, get up! Get up this morning. You have a part to play. Start speaking my word in your life. Stop being afraid. God is telling you this morning, I don't need any excuses. You don't have to make any excuses for me. Well, maybe God didn't want this. Well, maybe it wasn't his will for Well, maybe. Listen, read his word and speak his word. Try doing that. Let's try doing that this morning. You are alive. Here's the definition of alive. Even the dictionary would say this it says to be alive is to be full of life, full of life, to be full of activity and motion. Come on, some of us don't feel like that in, in the flesh. I know it. I know it, the knees sometimes. I know it. I get it. I get it. But come on, God has said to be full of energy and excitement, even if that's spiritually. Come on, full. Animated, lively, bursting open with life and vitality. And I don't care how old you are. And your spirit should be jumping up and down. I'm bursting with life and vitality because I'm an overcomer. I could have been dead, but I understand that God reached his hand way down into that pit, into that miry clay, and he picked me up out of it, and he set my feet upon a rock, and he established my goings. God did that for me. God did that for me. Alive has a lot to do with our relationship with God. It has a lot to do with our relationship. And God wants us to experience a profound personal encounter with him. Listen, God is not somebody that we come to church and that we just repeat the Apostles Creed or or we do a back and forth about who God is and we kneel and get up and kneel and get up and we say we had good church today and go home. No, God is a person that wants to talk to you. If you came over to my house and just recited a few words, sat down in the chair, got up and left, i say, what did you come over for? What'd you come over for? If you want to see my house, go over anytime. I don't have to be there. Just go there and look at it. But if you want to come talk to me, I'm here. I'm here. Come talk to me. Sit down. A cup of coffee is simply a vehicle for us to conversate. That's what it's for. God is saying, come into my house to talk to me. That's why during listen, can I just tell you something? During prayer time, we don't even have a long prayer, folks. Come on now. Some of y'all grew up in church like me. I mean, you don't know what Terry means. (laughs) I used to be like, mama, come on now. I mean, come on. How long? (laughs) Right? Come on. But during that time, don't take it for granted. Those five, eight minutes, whatever it is, ten minutes, whatever, four minutes, don't take it for granted. You come here next Sunday, you take that prayer time seriously. Take it seriously because God wants to commune with you. It's not for somebody else to know, ooh, she was really praying today. I heard her. It's not for anybody else. This is for you and God. He wants you in his house. Come on, communing with him. Alive means we're going to experience God's power in our life. Not only his power, listen, I love testimonies where, you know, God, God got me the job. I love testimonies where I didn't have enough money to get the shoes, but someone provided the money. God loves that. He loves doing it. I'm telling you this morning that we are going to have testimonies of supernatural proportions. I can't wait to go over to the Philippines. I don't, I don't want people to be sick. I'm not, I, I, don't want, I wish no one was sick. But the fact of the matter is, there are people that say, I can't wait to lay hands on somebody. Get up. I know it don't excite you. <laughs> it's all right with me. But it excites me because that person, and it's not, it's not for me. It's not to say, wow, Pastor Mike laid hands on that person. They got up out of the wheelchair. Pastor Mike laid hands on that person. And they recovered. No, it's because they're going to be praising God. All I'm going to do is point. Thank you, Pastor Mike. Don't thank me. You thank Jesus. Jesus did this. Jesus did this, come on, so that they can glorify God. We are going to have testimonies of supernatural proportions, folks, but it's going to require a fresh encounter with the Holy Spirit that creates a new appetite for God. We are going to experience groundbreaking things that are going to break off all of the limitations that hold us back. And there are some limitations, folks, that are holding us back. And the limitations are not your knees. It's not your knees. It's not your back hurting. I remember a few weeks ago, I I went. I was out in Kansas City with the with the with the MFI. Dietrich was there. We were all there. And then they they had a little time, a few hours, where we could have some downtime. They took us and and played some golf, man. And I went and hit the ball, hit the ball, hit the ball, and man, I came back home and uh, man, my back. Uh, you know, I had a good opportunity. I had a good opportunity, brother Steve. I had a good opportunity to say, uh, well, you know, my back, it hurts so bad. Oh, man, I shouldn't have played golf. And I'm just getting old. And, uh, you know, I had a good opportunity to say all those things. You know, I said, I'm healed in Jesus name. I mean, I started speaking to it. I spoke to it. One day I was hurting. I spoke to it. The next day I was all right. When I, once I started speaking to it. I didn't at first. But something hit me. It wasn't something. It was the Holy Spirit said, "Speak to it, speak to it." You telling everybody else speak to it. So I did. Next day I was like, "Oh, I can't believe that." Come on now, speak to it. The limitations are not our back. It's not our knees. You know what our limitation is? It's our mindset. That's our limitation, folks. And all of them got all of us in here got it. All of us in. I'm not not the limitation. All of us got a mind, is what I'm saying. Right, let me let me clarify that. Okay. Sorry, all right, all of us have this mind with an opportunity for limitations. Listen, if you, listen listen to this now, come on. If you fight for your limitations, you can certainly have them. I want you to think about that for a moment. If you fight for your limitations, you can certainly have them. There are too many of us that fight for our limitations. What do you mean by that, Mike? I'll tell you what I mean, just what I was saying. We fight for them because we we claim everything that's a limitation to us. My back is hurting, and the reason why it is is because I'm old, and I knew I did that one thing, and I ate that thing, and uh, that's why my back is hurting, and it's always going to hurt. I don't think I'll ever get over it because the doctor said there's nothing we can really do for it. We fight for our limitations. You fight for your limitations, you can have it. God will give it to you. God will give it to you God will give it to you if you fight for it we are to be alive both individually and corporately personal spiritual experiences that occur within your reach within your touch there's something deep in your soul that changes you and redirects you like I'm, I'm saying from personal experience redirects you brother Jeff Testified this morning how the enemy tricks us into saying things and to believing things, but the Holy Spirit's coming in right now to redirect you, to redirect you to the truth. Come on, somebody. Redirects you. And by redirecting you, it's, he's reinvigorating you. Come on, reinvigorating you. Corporately, there's going to be a spiritual movement of the Holy Spirit upon this church. Good opportunity to look out and say, man. All the seats are not filled. Even the people who are usually here, some are not here. and A whole section over here is not filled. And Good opportunity for all of that. But I believe what Pastor Grace said uh, a couple of weeks ago. I'm looking and saying, how you doing? Good to see you this morning. Praise the Lord. Glad you could make it. Yes. Come on. Speak to it. Speak to it. There's going to be a pouring out of God's spirit, but there's going to be a pouring out of God's spirit on thirsty people, on thirsty people. Come on. Thirsty people changing the atmosphere. God is going to revive our heart, revive us. Here's my definition of revive. It means to live again. Come on, folks. Maybe you've been down, but it's time to live again, to come to life, to be restored from a state of apathy or depression back to a full and energetic life, to be healed from any condition that has drained life, to flourish, to recover health, to be refreshed. That's my definition of being revived. Not just being in a church service and speaking in tongues. Come on, it's to have life. Life in your body, life in your spirit, life in your bones. Can these bones live? Yes, (laughs) yes, yes, they can live. See, we're going to have an awakened heart. The awakened heart is a heart that's been shaken by the Holy Spirit into a new awareness of God's presence. A new awakening. Come on, new awakening. So here's two things I want to leave you with. First of all, we have a part to play in this. And here's what we have to realize, folks. It is time to seek God seriously. It is time to seek God seriously. Seeking God seriously implies continual perseverance, a deep hunger, and a deep drive. It's time for that. It's Holy Spirit initiated, right? And listen, here's what you have to believe. When we seek God seriously, we are going to find God's will, and we are going to find God's answers to things, I understand that a few moments ago I did quote Paul. And there are some things that are going to be that way where now we see through a glass darkly, but then we shall see face to face. The recesses of the universe, we may never get there. All right, before God comes back. Probably not. We see through a glass darkly. But as far as God's will for your life, as far as blessings, healings, overcoming, Come on, prosperity, all of these things for your life. You will find God's will, and you will find God's answers. It's Holy Spirit initiated. Come on. But we have to take him seriously. It's time, folks, for us to do that. See, seeking is more, it's a more intensified form of praying. It involves listening as well. Seeking seriously is a prayer that that, that is intercession. But it's also a place where we open our heart and we say, God, whatever you would say, I'm laying down all of my preconceived notions. I'm laying down even all of my experiences and I'm open to whatever it is you would say. God is here to revive a seeking heart this morning. It's to search out passionately for something that is greatly desired, greatly valued. It means you strive to reach it. Jesus put it this way. He said, the kingdom of God is like a pearl. That when a man found that pearl, he bought a field. He didn't ask, Brother James, could I use your backyard? Brother Jim, could I, could I come over and, and use a place in your house? He bought a whole field so that that field belongs to me. Nobody can get in there. That's how precious this is to me. And I went and put it in that field. Is the kingdom of God precious to you? Or are you satisfied where you are? Are you okay where you are? Or is there more? Is there more to life? Someone messaged me this past week and said, you know, I've been thinking about it. It just seems like there's got to be more than this. Well, here's God's answer this morning. There is more. There is more. There is more than just this. So we got to ask God to revive our heart. Jeremiah put it this way in Jeremiah 29. God told him, said, and you will seek me and find me when you search for me with your whole heart, with your whole heart. See, we can't go by what we knew of God. Some of us have been in and around church and in and around God for a long time. And it's easy to get uh, the feeling of mundaneness, if you will. All right, it's easy to get that. But here's the thing. You know, I I, I ran into somebody that I hadn't seen in probably 30 years. And you know what thought came to my mind as we were talking, messaging back and forth, is that some of the things that you're saying is, is you're saying to a person that you knew. You're saying to a person that you knew at a time. But I haven't talked to you in 30 years. So I can't say that you know me. No, no, you knew me and that's okay. You knew me, but you don't know me. Well, I want to tell you this morning that God is saying that to some of us. And it's all right. Listen, it's not condemnation, but he's saying you knew me. The way you're talking to me, the way you're praying. You knew me, but do you know me? Do you know me? And lastly, it's time to seek God persistently. Matthew 7, 7. Come on, it's time to believe it, folks. Let's stop just quoting this, but believe it. Ask and it will be given to you. Do you believe it? Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. You see, to ask is the attitude of a petitioner, one who is in pursuit of something with focus and dedication and will not be deterred. You might be tired this morning. Maybe life has got you down. I was talking to someone else this very morning. How uh, She said she's just tired. Not, Not just necessarily physically, but I'm tired. Because it seems like I'm all alone, and I keep doing the same thing over and over, and I feel like I'm by myself, and I'm just, I'm tired, I'm tired. But God is calling you to a place this morning, a place that would say, don't give up, don't give in. Because if you try my word, maybe you're tired because you're doing something based on someone you knew. But you would be invigorated if you would do some things based on someone you know. You know. Hold your ground. Stick to the pursuit. Never give up and refuse to stop. Ephesians 6.18 says, Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit. Being watchful to this end with all perseverance, supplication for all the saints. You see, to ask is to seek God with prayer carefully and intensely, watch this now, with faith, with faith, believing God will answer your prayers. Believe it. Matthew said this, and Jesus said in Matthew, whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive, believing you will receive. Jesus put it this way in the Gospel of John. He said, in that day, what day? Today, you will ask me nothing. Most assuredly, I say to you, whatever you ask the Father in my name, he will give you. Until now, you have asked nothing in my name. Ask and you will receive that your joy may be full. That's the purpose of it. So that your joy would be full. To seek God, it persistently is a commitment of the will. It's a commitment of the will. George Miller put it this way. He said, it's not enough to begin to pray, nor to pray right, nor is it enough to continue for a time to pray. But we must pray patiently, believing, continuing until we obtain the answer. See, Jacob didn't let go. The audacity to wrestle with God and say, I'm not going to let you go. See, that's a person who's abandoned everything else. They've abandoned all of their experiences. They've abandoned all of the bad things that have happened in their life. They've abandoned all of their offenses. They've abandoned everything that's in the past up to this point. Because now I don't care. God, you might kill me. I don't know what you might do. But I'm not going to let you go. And guess what? God is saying, I'm going to bless you. Because that's exactly what I want from you. I want you to grab me and not let me go. Who here this morning would say, I'm going to grab a hold of God and I'm not going to let him go until he blesses me. Until he blesses me is what God wants to do. He wants to bless you. Ian Bowne said, we press the matter, not with vain repetitions. God heard you the first time, but with faith prayers. With faith prayers, we press the matter. I'm here to tell you this morning that God is not saying one day I'm going to bless you. He's waiting on you to say, I'm here, Lord. I'm here with open hands. I'm here with a faith attitude. I'm here to speak your word and your word only. Will you bless me? This is the question. And here's the answer. It's amazing. You can ask a question, and get an answer right away because it's in his word. God said, my answers to all of my promises are yes and amen. None of my answers to my promises are no, maybe, later, if you would say this or do that one day. He said my answers. My answer is yes and amen. Who would receive from the Lord this morning? Amen.